Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. So, hello, I'm having issues being intimacy avoidant. I'll be affectionate towards my girlfriend for no more than two days. Then I'll cause some issue to create distance between us um, by lying. I didn't notice this before, but I've been doing this for the last four months of our relationship. What is the significance of the two days and why can't I get past two days to be intimate? Tammy, do you want to start that? Uh, well, uh, I, I, or not. I was going to say, I think you're better at the, like. Yeah, I mean, this well, feels more cycle of it. Of, yeah, anyway, uh, go ahead. Well, I don't, there's some things here that I don't quite understand. Um, I, I don't know if the thing, you've conflated two things, which is I struggle with intimacy and then I push her away by lying. I don't know if those things are really go together. It might well be that, you know, uh, that you have, you start getting affection and you're reminded of some of the things you did or mm. still have secrets about or whatever, and you move away. It could be, but if all things are great, you know, and I don't know that because this doesn't sound right. Something else is here, I think, but nonetheless, um, if it's an intimacy problem, um, what I suggest that people do is something they never think of, which is say it, you know, honey, I'm feeling or whatever, you know, Susan, I'm feeling really distant tonight. And, you know, I have these issues around intimacy. And so I might take a little more space tonight. Or if you're dating, you know, maybe I'm going to go to the movies with friends. Or in other words, I see a lot of people have intimacy problems, try to kind of like, what's the word, power through it. Like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to let them know because they might be upset or they might take it personally. So I'm just going to sit here and pretend that we're close, even though I feel incredibly uncomfortable. And the one thing they don't think of doing is saying, you know what, I feel a little uncomfortable tonight because that is intimate to open up to someone and say, I don't feel this and I don't feel that I want to, is to bring them in. We think, oh, if I tell you that you're going to blame yourself or you're going to think I don't care about you or that's what we think. The reality is when we invite someone in to say and understand it isn't about you it isn't anything you've done things are just like they are but today for whatever reason i'm feeling distant and i want you to know that so if you experience it you don't blame yourself you know so in on, on every level i think this is about communicating and not trying to keep it to yourself lying different issue um, some of us are simply incapable of telling the truth in the moment and what i say to those folks is set up a 24-hour rule you know, some people really do have the kind of trauma where, and I mean this, where if they told the truth, they were beaten, you know, that kind of thing. So you learn, if I tell the truth, I'm going to get hurt, or they tell the truth and they're abandoned. You know, some of us had those upbringings. So when we say that face coming at us, you know, a little bit like this, we just retract into ourselves and we literally can't say what, what went on. So I have a 24 hour rule, which is you got to come back within 24 hours and say, that was really hard for me to say. I felt like I couldn't respond to you, but I want to let you know within 24 hours that that wasn't true. Um, and you're not going to like it, but it is so much better for you spouses, believe me, to have us come to you and say, I wasn't honest, but I want to be honest now. That's very different than I'm not going to say anything at all. So it's progress, not perfection. These are steps in the right direction. Um, and you got to own your stuff and not try to pretend that everything's fine when it isn't. Yeah. And I, my thought on the lying yeah. to you was um, 
because I, I was thinking about what what is the line serving you know are you are you being intentional about that or like dr rob was saying something was coming at you or you know there, there's something um i also i think it's interesting about the two days but i i really appreciate what dr rob said about like they may not even go together you know um so so looking at them them differently and and if you are on a two days i've been close and now i need some space maybe it's like you plan an outing on the third day and you just kind of and then you see you know i mean what what do you need to do you know keeping keeping on the same spinning wheel keeps you on the same spinning wheel so how can you disrupt this the cycle if you know that every two days okay then on day three i'm going to do this if i lie i like the 24-hour rule i give it to lots of people and hopefully it's okay it's 23 hours and 59 minutes the first time but hopefully the next time it's you know the it gets short shorter so that you know when i said that to you you know a half an hour ago that wasn't th the truth it gets easier because you are working towards building that intimacy so um, you know what we call that you're asking that what you know the great progress. cycle it's called <laughs> no progress oh, no i forgot it's um it's a anyway it, it's a little bit at a time getting to like tammy said it could be oh i know successive approximation Ooh. which is you try it, you take a step toward it, and then maybe back away, and you take another step, successfully approximating getting to where you want to get to. You may not. Yeah. So Tammy said it's great. You might lie at 23.59 hours, but then it's mm -hmm. at 22, and then it's that mm -hmm. same evening, and you know you will grow safety. Now, if your partner says, I can't believe you lied to me again, and I don't care about this 24-hour thing, it's probably not going to support the process. They can say, I'm angry, I want to hear about it sooner, but they also, and I, to you spouses, it's really good for us to tell the truth, even if it's late. <laughs> for us to come up and be honest with you is, believe it or not, really hard. So um, uh, successive approximation, a little bit at a time. Yeah, yeah. The more we practice it. You know, we can get better at it. So, right. Um, okay. So my husband has consistent, good recovery. However, he struggles to allow me to have my emotions, especially processing grief. He acknowledges that he is trying to shut down my feelings because they make him too uncomfortable. He mm -hmm. seems to think that CODA will help us. I notice he has a pattern of distracting himself with new things, new 12-step programs, new sponsors, new books, new check-in methods. He lacks discipline in finishing what he starts. Do you think his this behavior requires adding an additional 12-step? He already attends SA and ACA in addition to Troy Love's group, CSAT-led uh, group, Reparenting group. So I'm sorry, I have a question. I wrote something mm -hmm. down, but Tammy, when it says he thinks that CODA will help with this, do you think he means that he needs to go to CODA or she needs it? What do you think does that mean? I, oh, that's a good question. Um, I, well, I, I wonder if he's trying so, to shut down her feelings by yeah, having her go to CODA. Okay. So let's I, do it in both okay. ways. One okay. could be, oh, you need to go to CODA because you're so upset all the time. That would be blaming the victim. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I don't believe in CODA. Uh, I don't believe in codependency. You know, I have a whole field evolving called pro-dependence, which does not blame spouses and does not put responsibility on family members for an addict's behavior. As I say, uh, thank you, Tammy. I don't think we can yeah. see that. But... Yeah, I know you can. Oh, you know what would be better? Just so I'm going to put a link sure. into it. You yeah. know, you send a link to the Amazon that has mm -hmm. both new books. He wants to go to Oh, Coda. he wants to go to Coda. I don't see, um, I don't think Coda is the right place. I mean, I wouldn't, if it were you, and I wouldn't if it were him. Um, first of all, so um, if you have uncomfortable feelings, that's what therapy is for. 
that's a place to work it out. You two might be in couples work. That might be useful for you to see how this comes up. It's a dynamic that occurs between you. And I don't think it has anything to do with codependency um, or whatever that, that thing is. But there is something else I want to mention to you, which you may not have thought of. And this is my therapy ha psychological hat. People who distract themselves with new things kind of need new people looking for new stimulation and then they start something and they drop it a lot and move on to the next thing those are signs of attention deficit disorder or add um you know they pick things up and they drop them they don't know they're always looking for a distraction they they we think they're listening but then they are doing something else or so i certainly would consider that this may be there may be some biological pieces to this that have not been examined, I would want a good psychiatrist. If you came to me with this issue and your spouse, I would want a good psychiatrist to say, you know, I want to make sure and rule out that there isn't a biological problem here. Because a lot of what you say to me, and by the way, God, Tammy, by the way, um, we don't have a lot of mental health disorders that we are absolutely certain co-occur, occur at the same time as sex addiction. But we know one, about 20% of the men and women we treat have ADD, have attention deficit disorder. So one of the things I'm screening for when I interview somebody is, you know, uh, how do they do in school? How, how is their attention? Do they drop things on the floor and leave them behind them? Are they always looking for their keys? Are they starting projects and then dropping them going on to the next one? When I hear that kind of thing, I'm beginning to think, hmm, maybe there's more going on here than just addiction. So I would check that out. I don't think this is another 12-step issue. To me, this is a therapy issue. Now, I don't know why he shuts you down when you're feeling emotionally. My guess is it makes him feel guilty. And he doesn't want to feel guilty or shameful. And he certainly doesn't want to feel responsible for your pain. It's much easier to shut you down than it is for me to feel the sadness that I've caused. So I would also think that maybe he's trying to avoid um, the deeper feelings about what he's going through by trying to change what you're feeling. Um, so, uh, and I understand how CODA would seem, that would seem like a CODA thing, but uh, I don't think so. Tammy, we got that one? Uh, I've got, I'm frantically typing um, in, I've given you a whole bunch of things in the chat. I'm just going to real quickly go through them. So Dr. Rob did a podcast with Dr. Todd Love, not, not, and he also did with Dr. Troy Love, but Dr. Todd Love is extremely well-versed on ADHD. I added that to the, um, to the uh, chat. And then Dr. Todd Love also did a, um, I almost fell on my seat when he was talking about like what ADHD undiagnosed, untreated, like it reduces a man's lifespan by, I can't remember, I think it was like 13 years. It's insane. So, so please check that webinar out. Um, uh, it was on the, in the room, super Saturdays recovery summit. And then one more thing, the couples healing from betrayal work group is starting May 5th. We, the, the, the part of the discussion is grieving losses together. So it isn't like he has to just, you know, like there's grief and loss for both of you. And I can't right. help but wonder about the two of you communicating about that in a safe space, you know, if that would be um, helpful too. So those are my add-ons. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, by the way, don't forget Pat Love. Because I did oh, a yes. podcast with Dr. Pat Love. So we yeah, have Pat we have Love, Troy Pat Love, Love. Love. I know, guess but what Todd we deal and Troy, with? I emailed the wrong person because like, I just, you know, 
anyway, they, they know, they both know me and they just, right. you know, kind of laugh about it. Well, so I love okay. Dr. Pat. Lo I love all of them, but Dr. Pat I love, I love all the loves. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I am in the process of leaving my 15 year relationship. He has been threatening suicide. Ooh. Why do I feel so guilty for moving on and healing myself? He's been an SA for 12, 10 years. You want to start that one, Tammy? Oh, well, I, 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 I am so sorry, but I like one of those things that I, you know, we, we talk often about is, you know, you didn't cause his addiction. Nothing you did or didn't do was going to keep him, you know, from doing that, you know, threatening um, suicide, two things. I, you know, I've had people where it's a mental health thing and they really do need, you know, mental health help. I've also had it be manipulative. Like I'm going to, I'm going to leave you or if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself, you know, so that you feel guilty um, and you don't leave. But it's such a manipulative, controlling thing. And I don't know which category he falls into. You know, if he's really doing his, uh, it says he's been in SA for 10 years. Um, yeah. Not he's been in SA for 10 years. So, so oh. I just caught that. I just caught that. Um, so that to me, this true. feels, yeah, what? That is not true. Nobody starts out being a sex addict at 10, 10 years five years no, into a relationship no, no. Right. he's been a sex addict for 10 years yes yeah so so what i, hear I would is, say he's been a six actually it was since he was 12 or 14 i mean yeah. it's in there early but, yeah yeah um i just want like i'm sorry can i interrupt you no please no please no. i don't um well first of all the word self-evident comes that's two words self-evident comes to mind of course you feel guilty if someone's threatening suicide and you've loved them i mean to me that makes a lot of sense um, and I would feel guilty about leaving them if they are talking about being so overwhelmed that they don't want that want to end their life. But if he has no history of suicidal behavior, of suicidal thoughts, it's just now that this is coming up and they're having, you know, I would say this is, and I, what I experience most of the guys who come in is this is a manipulation. Um, and by the way, if he, I can't take away your guilt. Um, I would remind yourself that you're probably not the one who acted out and there's a reason you're ending the relationship and um, all of that. But the bottom line is, even if your spouse, boy, girl, girlfriend, whatever it was, even if they're threatening suicide, you can't help. You know, you're not a suicide specialist. You're not a therapist. You can only call out an alarm. You know, you could call the police. You call an ambulance. You could call 911, whatever. So what I would feel good about if I were you is making sure that my spouse has all the resources they need. I'd put it on the refrigerator. You know, here's, if you call us therapists, it often says, if you're having a crisis or an emergency, please call 911. And what mm -hmm. we mean is, mm -hmm. if we're not available and you're really in trouble, go call 911. We don't want you to sit around and wait till we call you while you don't want to live. It's really, um, if, if he wants to kill himself, he'll find a way. Trust me, whether you, you're there or you're not. But if he doesn't want to do so and this is a manipulation then i would put on the refrigerator 911 here's the therapist phone number here's the ambulance here's the you know and this is the best i can do for you because i can't rescue you i can't save you and i can't give up my own life to make sure you're safe so you know you have to put on your big boy pants i'm leaving and and i know this is going to sound really really cold but if you want to kill yourself go ahead i mean that's what you're going to do so I cannot live my life based on what you do or what you don't do. 
Uh, I can only live my life based on what I think is the best for me and the people I love. And I encourage you to do what you need to do for yourself. Um, do we love them? Of course. Do we want to support them? Of course. Do we always hold on to some connection with the people we love, no matter what happens? Yes, it doesn't go away. But are you responsible for him? He's not your child. If this were my 15-year-old or my 25-year-old, I would be all over it. But this is not your child. This is an adult person, you know, and they have made their own choices. And honestly, if they choose this, they did it because they wanted to do it. And they and there's nothing you can do to stop someone. But you can provide all the resources that are available. And if he wants to suicide hotline, you know, and he'll do whatever he's going to do. But this just sounds like every, well, two things. Number one, it is terrifying and difficult to be left. And by the way, most sex addicts, we will ignore you. We will be non-intimate. We'll be distant. But boy, the minute you say you're going to leave, we pay a lot of attention. And it may be that, you know, what he's been acting out over has all been ignited by your, you know, abandonment has been ignited by your taking care of yourself. And these things cannot be conflated. Me taking care of myself, how the other person feels. They're separate things. So I'm glad that you brought this up and I understand the guilt feeling, but you're not responsible for that. You have to take care of yourself. Um, and you can't, and by the way, it would be insincere and inappropriate to show up just because you're afraid that something bad's going to happen, you know? So that's my feedback. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I feel I, he, 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 somebody who's completely committed to suicide is going to do it no matter what. And, but otherwise this is, this feels like shackles for you that you need to stay around. Cause like, otherwise I'm going to kill myself and won't you feel guilty then? So, so you taking care of you, I really like that Dr. Rob said, don't complete, you know, you taking care of you in a healthy way is not abandoning him. He can feel abandoned, but you are taking care of you. So I want to okay. add one thing. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes clients come to seeking integrity who've been suicidal and they have guns at home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, sometimes, not, well, frequently we have to say to a spouse when they're in treatment or go into the safe, whatever is, please take the gun away. So if he has a method at home by which he could easily kill himself, I would suggest finding a way to get the guns out of the house. Or, you know, the, if you're one of those people who doesn't ever throw out a prescription bottle and you've got a whole cabinet full you know, now might be the time to do that. I would want to make sure that I wasn't leaving someone with a very easy method to do that. Um, and beyond that, you know, there's not much more you can do. So the next question, I'm the sex addict in recovery, 12 step in therapy. What is your opinion on starting a conversation with a spouse regarding STDs Ooh. from prior to the relationship that were never discussed? So I'm kind of, well, I, I'm, I'm a little bit confused, but I'm wondering if so if you had an STD prior to the relationship, but you had it taken care of, you've gotten the medical treatment, then, then I don't know. I mean, what is, I mean, like, so with disclosures, there is often, you know, uh, we start like there's an overarching timeline for the addict to work on, but you know, the, the disclosure is about what's really happened within the relationship except to the extent where there's a pattern that you go, yes, I started looking at porn when I was eight, you know, so, so some of that pulls through. So, so that's why working with a qualified therapist, I can't tell you all this in, you know, a minute, but um, working with a qualified therapist to help have a disclosure. But, but to me, you know, I mean, is this um, what, like I, you're in recovery. I don't know how long, um, I would talk to your qualified therapist because this feels like something that should be considered for your formal therapeutic disclosure. 
but what are your thoughts, Dr. Rob? Well, I'm here. I wanted to uh, find something to share with these folks. So just give me a second. If you Uh want to go ahead to the next question, I didn't really have much to say about that particular one. So um, why don't you go ahead? And I'm just, I'm here guys. I just want to find something to share with you. Go ahead, Tammy. My question is how long should someone allow my spouse to let off her steam? We have been married for 10 years, known each other for 17 years. My wife found out about two months ago that I struggle with SA and I've been unfaithful for the past eight years of our marriage. Okay, this is my snarky answer. Okay, about eight years. I'm just kidding, but on some level, two months, she's... Anyway, okay, so her and I were spending some time together and I triggered with the way I was acting. She said that I was treating her like my wife, but, um, uh, but when she was angry, she yelled at me and I'm not with her husband right now or possible ever again. We are still married. So the simple question, how long should a betrayer allow themselves to be yelled at? For all the things that they did that's a lot okay. um that is a lot we start so, yeah so so you guys are so new in this process but here's what i don't hear with any of this is what you're doing for support i'm glad you're here so so hear that and you know and my you know my little goofy comment you know forgive that but um i have to find humor with all this stuff so so here's the deal what are you guys doing you for recovery what are you doing we we have sex addiction 101 work groups one started last week you could join i joined i had somebody to add for uh this week um uh, you know today for that group but what are you doing for recovery because you know it you know it precedes um i've been unfaithful for the past eight years of our marriage there might have been stuff that was long before all of that so so two months against eight years or against the 17 years that you've known each other, you know, that, that's a short amount of time. Does your wife have support for betrayal trauma, which is very real? Of course, she's angry. Dr. Rob talked about ambivalent love, you know, uh, uh, earlier. It's, you know, uh, it, th- th- this is a process. Her discovery was two months ago. You've known all along. So, so she got by, hit by a truck and, and is, is reeling and wondering, you know, what, what else she doesn't know and all of that. So you getting support, you getting a foundation of recovery, you having, you know, a relapse prevention plan, we call it a three circle plan, you connecting with other people who are working towards, you know, recovery and, you know, peer support and all of that, that, that makes a really big difference, you know, in where she can come in and, and get support for her. So her there's betrayed partner on sex and relationship healing.com you know there's drop-in groups for men who are are struggling with addiction there's also for females who are struggling with addiction but there's also um betrayed partner uh groups multiple times throughout the week and we have a work group for betrayed partners that's how it starts to shift but yeah it's good i mean you know and her getting support and you getting help so that you aren't just yelling at each other, which is not helpful for either of you, you know, you getting support and then how do you navigate coming back together again, but it's a long journey and working with a qualified professional that understands these issues. This is not a do it yourself. This is not working with a general therapist who doesn't get any of this, you know, but be free, free, free resources on sex and relationship healing.com. I've referred to podcasts and previously recorded webinars. There's bunches of resources for both of you and each of you. You know, I hope you're both here. Um, and there's bunches more all throughout the week. So Dr. Rob. Well, by the way, I'm sorry to disappear. 
here. I'm still looking for what I was looking for. I wanted to share something with them and I may disappear again, but I can hear everything. Um, I, to me, there's two issues here. One is um, yelled at. So I don't think any of us deserve to be yelled at. And I know when I'm being yelled at, I shut down. Um, I can't really hear what's being said. I avoid the situation, you know, I withdraw. So I, I think the yelling at part, and I don't know if you really, if that's true, because I know when my spouse says, I just don't feel like having dinner. I'm really disappointed in you. We're having a fight. I think, oh, you're yelling at me. So sometimes we can perceive that, even though that may not be true. Um, but uh, no one deserves to be yelled at. And even more importantly, you can't accomplish much. So I just want to say something about couples therapy in early recovery. Uh, I know a lot of you flock to couples therapy thinking, oh, we have a couple's problem. And so we need to go to therapy as a couple. And what you've probably heard Tammy and I say, Mary, often is with this issue, you each need to turn to other people for support. Understand you don't trust, there's no trust there. There's anger there, there's disappointment. You can't turn to the person who used to be your best friend and say, will you still be my best friend when they don't wanna to talk to you? So we have to build our own resources of support. This is why I'm not a big fan of couples therapy because basically in the beginning, couples therapy looks like you ruined my life, will you forgive me? You ruined my life, will you forgive me? However, the one thing that couples therapy is really good for in the beginning is boundaries. When are we going to fight? How are we going to fight? How do we figure out uh, how to talk about these difficult issues? When do we? So, you know, what it might what might be useful is not necessarily going to, to going to see a, a, a licensed professional for sure. But really, the issue is we have some very difficult things to talk about. And we end up in a place that I don't want to be or we don't want to be. So how can we it doesn't matter what the topic is. The question is, how do how do we manage to get through these difficult discussions without it becoming, you know, a free for all or someone's yelling at someone. So the process of how you work it out is something that might be useful for couples work, but the actual working it out, uh, you're going to follow their direction and interact the way that they encourage you and set those boundaries. And you're going to get support for one another. By the way, if you are an addict, this is an addict, right? Yes, I think you really need to go to some support groups and hear how many other people are being yelled at and how they're handling it. One of the reasons that we create support groups, that we encourage support groups, that we um, run free support groups is because um, you guys need to turn to someone who's in the same situation as you and hear what they have to say. And so for you to hear another guy, a similar guy saying, wow, my wife is just screaming at me all the time and I don't know how to deal with it. And there's a guy in that 12-step meeting or in that support group who's already had that happen and has gone on to something better or different. You want to talk to that person. You want to say, hey, how did you guys get past this to that? And if you ever wonder why we're sending you to support groups with all these other troubled people, you're one of them. You are one of the troubled people. You belong there. There's a seat with your name on it. So make use of of these resources and that's what it is i don't want to go to meetings who wants to do that how about this i want to go find more solutions to my problems that's why we go do that and i want to be a better person so uh yeah get support for yourself and maybe a little couple's work to figure out um what, the thing i was going to say was um you know she's triggered with the way you're acting she can be triggered even if you're not around it can be you know driving down the street i had somebody i was talking to the other day and they were in a in a store and she saw a display of something and you know she was triggered and it, it like so so 
the triggers, unfortunately, you know, um, or activators, as Debbie McRae says, activators, you know, are going to happen is how you guys handle them. You know, each of you getting support, you know, separately, you're going to be triggered or activated with certain things. So, um, so, you know, there's a three second rule. There's so many tools. You are very, very early in this. Great. Glad you're here. You know, keep leaning into the support resources. Um, I am giving a note that uh -huh. I'm going to send to you, Tammy. This is an article on um, taking a time out. And it's something yes. that we really, I'll send it to you. I'll put it up here. It's something um, really, really important, I think, to understand how to do, which is things are very hot right now. And we're probably not going to accomplish very much if we start talking about it right now. We're going to end up yelling at each other. But how can we agree to a uh, a structure where if we get hot we step away from each other we cool off and then we come back together so if you actually look up therapeutic timeout or couples timeout or couples fighting timeout and you go on google and look that up you'll find all kinds of resources for how to do that um, it is not productive to be yelling because nothing gets accomplished but are, is the information like i'm angry i'm hurt did you do this yes the information is important the delivery is important too. I, I remembered what I was going to say, which is when you all are, there may be another way to do this, which is when you're not upset with each other and when things are going okay, um, that might be time to say, you know, I want to talk about what happens when you get, when we get angry or when you get angry, because I can't hear you when you do that and see if you can come up with some solutions when things aren't in crisis so that when they are, you've already planned out what to do. And I agree with that. And I go back to, you said 45 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, that's too long. But, you know, 20 minutes, you know, like having the 20 minutes where we're going to talk about these issues, you know, and having just, you know, and, and, and it, it's not 19 minutes of and then one minute of response. It's like, and set the timer, like set the timer, of, you know, but bookend it. So, like I said, so that you can contact your sponsor, you can have the, like, so get, which means like you've engaged with the various peer support so that you have people that you can text and call and say, I'm going to be going into a difficult situation. I want to make sure that I've got support before and after. Like that's how we recover is in connection with other people who have been on this path. So yes, we deserve the seat, but there's other people that are on the journey and some of them are a little ahead and some of them are behind and we're all on the path together. So, okay. Do you want to do the last one? Well, yeah, there's so many good ones in the in the other two, but what? But anyway, so I'm gonna. So, given the current pandemic situation, what are the rules for virtual dating, video chats? And I'm going. That must be from somebody who's a sex addict, because otherwise, well, why would they ask, right? Well, I hope it's someone who's single and wants yeah. to figure out you know it could well be someone who's single and they're not sure how to do healthy connection. Um, but my question is rules. Like, what do you mean by rules? So if you want recovery rules, in my mind, if you were to come to my office and ask me this, I would say things like no nudity, no talking about sex, you know, talk about everything else. But if it were virtually dating, um, you know, if someone starts talking about a lot of sex, I'd be a little suspect because maybe that's all they want is sex. But, you know, I think that you can choose to say, I'm not going to talk about that stuff. And if you're not sending, so sexting is not okay. Um, having deep sexual discussions, mutual masturbation. I mean, to me, it's the basic stuff. You want to get to know somebody. Oh, here's the other thing. If you are in recovery and you are, you have a sponsor, you have a therapist, you're, you're working on these things, ask them. 
the best, in fact, this is my number one answer, which is don't make your own decision or even me giving you feedback. I don't know who you are and I can't see you. Go to a professional or someone who's in a role model situation with you, like a sponsor and say, hey, I got in this virtual thing with somebody and I'm not sure what to do. I have literally seen people say, I'm going to call you back and, or I'm going to chat with you back. My phone's ringing or whatever. And then they go call the person who they trust and say, I'm not sure what to do. And then they get direction. So in this situation, I wouldn't feel I had needed to have the answer to every question. I would put the basics down, no online sex. And then the rest would be, I need to check out when I feel, you know, keep a piece of paper. Oh, when people say this, this comes up for me when people do this and start to add to it. So it's about your being, being comfortable. And also, you know, if you listen to sex right away, that or sexual chat, that's probably not the right relationship. Why bother? Um, so and all you ladies who are single know that the minute the guy starts talking about sex in the first, you know, conversation, uh, we're not really interested in much anything else where all the rest is just BS. So Tammy, it is another wonderful opportunity to work with you. I agree. I just want to, because you use dating posse, you've used that term before. And I was like, you can have a dating posse, even if it's for virtual dates. So, you know, it can be not just one person that you, but you can have people that know you, that understand your recovery, that are there for you, that understand, you know, you tend to go for that type, you know, the female bad boy type. And so is this person. So, so having the people that can help you watch out for those blind spots can be really useful. So I'll ask to say one more thing. If you're questioning mm -hmm. yourself about a conversation or an interaction, pay attention because I don't question the conversations that are going well, but I will quite, gee, should we be talking about this? That's a warning sign. There's a part of you saying, I don't feel comfortable. Pay attention to that. Um, and to all of you, I would say, trust your gut especially your spouses, a lot of the things you're saying are, I think, I notice, I, you're probably right. And if you're not right in this moment, you would have been right two weeks ago. So trust what you're feeling um, and try not to attack because uh, it doesn't really produce good results. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.